Hey Today in Space listeners, before we start the show, I want to remind everybody to check out the website todayinspace.net. We've ramped up everything on the website from pictures, artwork, sounds, and the media page to showing you how to subscribe to this podcast and many others on your iPhone, Android, or computer. It's basically a beginner's guide to podcasting. And not to mention, all the other links to all the topics we talk about on the show in each episode's link. So make sure to check it out. We've got more and more content coming up in the future, and I can't wait to share it with you. But now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Today in Space. What's up, everybody out there, Today in Space listeners? How you doing? How are you doing? How's your week going? Going good? I hope you're uh, you're you're pushing forward. You're you're just going for whatever you're you're doing this week. Whether it's whether it's a bunch of stuff you just have to do, and that's honestly, it seems like that's a lot of it. Um, or you're just you're keeping in the back of your head the stuff that you really want to do, whether it's seeing somebody that weekend or um, hanging out with a friend you haven't seen in months, maybe even years, uh, or it's something that you're that you're passionate about, that you're working on that is really down the road, but you love it that much that you're going to keep working on it, even if it's a little bit at a time. I hope I hope you're doing that. I hope you're really working towards that, and whatever you're doing, I wish you luck. And just keep pushing forward at that. And uh, that's kind of what uh, this week's been kind of like. It's been uh, kind of weird. Um, you know, it, it's it's strange how much uh, a single week, like last week we were talking about uh, a few things, and this week has been such a different, such a different case. So what am I talking about? <laughs> I'm just talking generalities here. Um, didn't get to go, didn't get to do any 3D printing. I know last episode I said I'd probably get that first printout. That was the plan. But, <laughs> but like most things, uh, life came in and, uh, took over. So, um, basically, uh, just had to get on the job search full time. Um, got to the point where it was like, okay, um, I mean, obviously need to find the full time job to pay the bills. Uh, cause this is not at that point yet. Um, so that, that's what took over the, the, the job search for an aerospace job. Um, and that's, you know, it's like, you could say, oh, well, you know, why don't you just get another job? Well, um, I, I could, I could, but, um, I have a very specific plan, uh, for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, some of you out there might, might kind of know what I'm talking about, but if you don't, it's, you know, I have an idea of where I'd like to end up what company I'd like to work for, who I'd like to work for, and, you know, to get into a position like that. And more specifically, I have the kind of job I think I want down the road. So I want to work at jobs that are going to get me there. So it's a very specific, I mean, not only is aerospace really specific, the job I'm looking for is really specific. So um, that's those are the jobs I'm looking for. Uh, I've been very lucky. Um it seems like Massachusetts has a good amount of uh, 
has a good amount of aerospace jobs. Uh, the question then becomes, are you qualified to even apply for that position? Um, and that was kind of what I was really stuck up on last week uh, when I was talking to you guys. I was really stuck up on the idea of, you know, oh, I'm not qualified, so I'm not going to apply to that job. But what that was doing was it was preventing me from looking at the company and, and, and taking that next step and, and looking at what else they might have available. Um, so luckily I, I talked to a mentor of mine, actually it was the assistant, uh, we were talking about it and just very plainly just said, you know, don't let that kind of stuff stop you. Just even if it's a position you can't apply for, remember the company, go, go to the company's website, go look at what they have available because, you know, all these search engines and stuff, it, it makes it a little bit easier, but it also kind of makes you feel a little bit alienated too, you know, um, I'm definitely, I definitely am a person who likes the person-to-person interaction. So uh, doing the online thing is cool, um, but sometimes, you know, I think that's where I got caught. I got caught in the, ah, you know, they, they don't have anything available because this search, job search engine doesn't have that job. It's like, no, you got to take the next step. So it was a learning experience for me. Um, I did have to pick up something on the side uh, because... Uh, <laughs> Get into the weird situation where you need a job to search for a job, because uh, you got to pay the bills, man. Can't can't let those pile up. So, so I got that going on too. Um, all in the last week, so it's kind of crazy um, that all that stuff happened. So, needless to say, the 3D printer thing did not happen. I did did not have the time uh, to get the first print going, but I did work on a few things. Um, I uh, worked on a few upgrades. Uh, got the glass plate, actually found one, luckily. Um, it was a weird size, but luckily someone was selling it, so picked that up. It's like five bucks. It was great. Um, because plastic, like polycarbonate and all that stuff, not that I would use it for the bill plate, but that stuff is super expensive. Super expensive. Or glass, it's like, it's been done so many times, and the process is, is there that things are just cheaper, so... So yeah, before I bore you guys with that, uh, <laughs> uh, also uh, I'm working on a few things for um, just the where I'm going to work on the 3D printer, which I, I would call a work cell, um, but I was, I was throwing that out this week. I realized people don't necessarily know what that is, so a work cell is just, um, if I put it in my own words, it's... It's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, no, but it's, it's, it's actually pretty easy. So I have this aluminum, I'm sorry, steel table. I have the 3D printer on, and then that's really it. But, you know, you can't just, you could have it just open to the air, but it's not going to, the quality is going to be a little off. You know, it's, you're not going to be able to control it. Um, plus, there's also, if someone comes in while it's running, not that I wouldn't be there, but if someone comes in while it's running, I don't really want anyone touching it or bothering it. Um, or worse, hurting themselves if they don't realize what they're doing. So... Um, the work cell will kind of help that. Um, don't worry, I'm going to film everything. I've got, I'm going to share all the designs with you guys. Uh, it's just going to be a little while. But I wanted to bring it up to you guys so you guys knew what was up, what's going on. Um, and that's pretty much it. Just uh, getting back into my 3D designing. I really, really like, love designing in 3D. I, I really do. Um, and ever since I learned what I learned at my last job uh, about designing for manufacturing, it's kind of brought this whole new meaning to it. What do I mean by that? Basically, you don't want to just design something so that 
it looks cool. Like you have the design that's going to be made. And I think I went on a rant about this last week, but like if you, if you can't do that, if you can't design something that can be made, then you're just a glorified artist. I mean, it's, and there's, there's a lot of engineers that are out there, supposed design engineers, um, that are very good at designing on a 3d platform, but then you send it to a company that, that manufactures stuff and they have to spend time and money redesigning the thing that was already supposed to be designed so that it can be made you know and it's um i think it's definitely people in in my generation the younger generation probably if you're under under 40 you've probably grew up on the the design software and uh you know there's definitely i mean yes will a 3d printer help you do that kind of stuff will you be able to design things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise sure but that doesn't mean it, it's right, you know, and it's, it's, you're almost losing an entire art form, an entire discipline that's made manufacturing successful, you know, and if you don't know how to design for it to be manufactured, you're at a real disadvantage when something doesn't work or if, like, you, you become an expense at that point. You know, does that make sense? I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. But, uh, so it's been really cool. Um, unfortunately, I had to learn, well, unfortunately, but fortunately, I had to learn a new software. So um, that's kind of been a struggle. Um, just just learning curve. Uh, the good thing is once you learn one uh, 3D software, you could pretty much use any software. Your, your, uh, your learning time will, will be shorter for sure because you kind of know what you're looking at. Um, you just got to learn how the system works. You know, it's like learning another language. It really is. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. But it's all in the works, guys. It's all. It's all. Needless to say, last week was <laughs> very busy, and I got a lot done. Uh, just unfortunately, you know, I had to move a little bit away from the show a little bit. Um, but that's why I'm so excited I'm back. Uh, and we've got some really cool stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, we've got... Well, basically, we're talking about humans in space. If we're going to really broaden it, it's, it's, we're talking about one of the aspects of being a human traveling in space. And one of the big things that's kind of being discussed uh, was really brought into light last year at, at like a huge symposium uh, as an option for how we're going to go in space. And one of the things is something called stasis. So stasis, what was that? It's basically like hibernation. Um, you know, you've seen it in the movies, like, uh, in Futurama, Fry got frozen, uh, and sent into the year 3000, um, that's a form of that, uh, there's also, you know, if you saw the movie Interstellar, they used stasis there, um, there's been a lot of, I think Alien, if I'm not mistaken, or one of the ones further down, so, the idea is, put yourself in stasis, because if you're going to Mars, right, or any place further, but let's just go to Mars first, right? Six to eight months. That's six to eight months where you're on board this tiny, closed-in space, barely going to have any windows. Um, so you, if you're just there for six to eight months, it's it's a long ride. <laughs> it's a long ride if, if you're not taking the time to rest and to, you know, not not be awake for that time. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing. I mean, some people, I, 
you live at home, you're going crazy because you feel like you're closed in. That's nothing. Nothing compared to what this would be like. And and so what we're going to talk about the first part here is what would you what would you do if you had to spend six to eight months on board a, a, a spacecraft that's t- it's small, very small, and and that's before your mission even really starts. Because once you get to Mars, right, you're going to have a mission you got to do. So, like, how are you going to keep yourself mentally, spiritually, uh, psychologically okay? What, what what would you bring with you? You know, what 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 would you bring so that you don't just <laughs> go crazy from all the, the boredom and the and just the fact that you know that you're on this tiny ship? I, that's what we're getting into. So that'll be the first part. And then we'll get into the stasis, the new research, and kind of what the movies have kind of shown. Um, but basically, what we have today that's been talked about that we could actually use if we did do a mission like that. So let's get into it. But first, a word from Today in Space. Hey, everyone. Before we go on with the rest of the show, make sure to check out Today in Space Studios' first ever single. In honor of the human race reaching the Pluto system by robot for the first time ever, we want to make a song about it. This is not your typical song about Pluto. Get ready to find out why Pluto was demoted and be barraged with electric sounds from the deep dark of the third zone. Available for 99 cents from the Today in Space store, Amazon Music, Xbox Music, iTunes, and Google Play, and available for streaming on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Purchase or play away. Buying, streaming, or just sharing it with someone helps support John and myself, the artist of Pluto the Misunderstood, in making our next piece of music. All the links are available on the homepage at todayinspace.net slash home. Thanks for all your support. All right, so let's talk about what it would be like if you had to spend a trip, like going to Mars, six to eight months, and... There's, you know, the only thing you can do is basically bide your time. I mean, you're going to have things to do. You're going to have some science to do. But it's going to be a large chunk of time where you're just going to be sitting there doing nothing. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have a really hard time with that. Unless, like, I I brought some fun things to do. And even then, it's going to get old, you know, six to eight months we're not talking like a few weeks. It's not like a vacation. Like it's a, it's six to eight months, just to get to the mission that you were gonna do, and then not only that, you're gonna have that six to eight months again, on the return, right? So that's some that's some shit right there. I mean, the first thing I can think of is, is how do you keep yourself together? You know, I mean, you're gonna. I'm assuming you're going to be with people, so, I mean, right off the bat, <laughs> right off the bat, like, you, you, if you're going to Mars, you've probably already spent time with those people, right? So, you know, the, the team dynamic's going to be huge, but, you know, you're going to have to lift not only yourself, but the other people around you, too. Um, and there's only, there's only so much you can do before people start getting irritated and, you know, and and start hating each other. I mean, not because they're doing anything wrong, just 
stupid little things, insecurities, things like that are going to pop up, man. I mean, we see it. We see it today. People, people are stuck in their cell phones and you snap them out of it. And it's like you're it's like you're taking the bone away from the dog. You know, it's like, you know, it's like it's it, they just go fucking crazy. And we're talking about sending people to Mars for six to eight months. I mean, maybe if this was like 1965 without all the technology and people didn't have what <laughs> the sickness of technology today. You know, I mean, granted, those same people that are stuck on their cell phones who who are addicted to their technology as bad as they are, are not going to be the people going to Mars. Let's, let's just say it outright. They won't be. They will not be those people. It's going to be people who... who work well in a team who uh, have their mind towards a mission. I mean, we all know how much this stuff costs. I may not know the number, but we all know it's expensive. Um, it gets brought up every time there's a failure. Um, or when people get bored with it. It's always, oh, well, why do we need this? The money could go somewhere else. So back to the original point. You need to be able to be a good team player. But how, like... What would you what would you bring if I was going to Mars, right? Six to eight months. What would I bring? Well, I would definitely bring music, and I would definitely bring a bunch of different music too. Not not just because you'd get bored after a while, but I mean, I would bring a bunch of different genres. I think, uh, and for different moods too, right? That makes sense. Like, like one of the ones that. Uh, like for me, right off the bat, jazz is definitely in there. Uh, we definitely have some electronic too. Uh, the jazz really so that you could sit down and think and kind of process, um, and just instrumental jazz too. Not uh, not necessarily any vocals, just instrumental music, because that way you can let your like inner dialogue kind of go. You know, I feel like if you if you listen to music with any kind of lyrics you kind of get caught up in what they're saying and not in your own thoughts. Like, I don't know how, how many of you guys have uh, have gone to college or, or have studied long nights, but, you know, for me, it was, you know, music was a huge savior for that stuff. And most of the time, it was electronic music because it it just worked. I couldn't do classical because it, it just wasn't upbeat enough to keep me going. But the electronic music was perfect because it was just a beat in the background and it would let my head think instead of mulling it out by uh, by having like lyrics in the background. I, I couldn't listen to rock uh, or or any pop when I was doing homework because the, the lyrics would just screw me up. Uh, so, all right. So electronic for sure, just to kind of let you think through. I'm sorry, uh, jazz to let you think through. Electronic to kind of numb myself out for a little while for sure just to just to kind of be in the music i think that would that would be important um i think my favorite thing was something they did in uh, interstellar um where they brought the sounds of of earth i think that would be huge i think that was a that was a beautiful thing to add and it was really subtle it didn't last very long i think it it made a it made a big impression on me i mean having the sound of water you know rushing water or wind uh, insects you know bugs as much as we don't like them there's nothing there's nothing like the sound of like a summer night when you're hanging out or like 
the middle of a, a summer day when it's blazing hot out, but you're just outside enjoying yourself. Nice, nice glass of cold iced tea or lemonade, uh, or just water, <laughs> and you're just relaxing. And you hear like the 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 bugs in the background. And just everything like that. That would, I think, be the most important thing to bring. I mean, the music, yeah, but something to ground you. Because let's let's go into that. Let's go into that. I mean, most of us, I think, would be fine for about two months. But after two months, it's going to be tough to keep yourself just not only motivated, but to keep yourself on point. You know, you're, you're going to be so, there's going to be so many things that are going to be missing. Environmentally, you're, you're changing into this just lack of environment. You know, it's metal, it's, you're hearing creaks here and there from the ship. Uh, you might hear maybe some propulsion. I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Um... Yeah, there's no there's no sound in the vacuum of space. I think that would I think that would blow most people away. Just the lack of any sound, uh, and then you'd hear all the other different things like uh, the humming of the of the electronics or the the uh, the vent system. You know, that's all you'd have. The you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have somebody else or or just different stuff. Like if if you live in the city, man, that'd be a huff uh, huff huff tough, a tough adjustment, uh, I remember I, when I was in college living in the city, uh, in Worcester, um, there were sirens, there was drunk people, there was, you know, there was always something, so after, it took you, like, a few weeks to get used to, it, and then after a while, you're just used to the sound, and when you move out into the suburbs, it's such a start, you're just like, wow, nothing is going, there was stuff going on all the time, and then when you're, when you're in the suburbs, there's, there's very little going on, even though there's still a lot, especially if you compare it to outer space, you know? And then um, I feel like you'd have to be very, very secure spiritually. Whatever you believe in, you, you would have to be, whether it's nothing or, or something, you'd have to be very secure in that. Because I, I could see that as being a really big, like, especially if stuff starts going wrong for for whatever reason. Or you just, I don't think most people are secure enough to do that kind of thing, man. I know I'd have a problem with it. And I talk about space on a weekly basis. <laughs> That's a tough thing to deal with, man. Never mind the fact that that physically you're going through a lot of changes too because of the microgravity. I mean, we've we've done episodes on that before, where you know the blood shifts have issues. You you need to be working out to prevent your bone density loss and to make sure that your heart maintains its strength because it adjusts. The body adjusts. It 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 knows it doesn't have to fight as much against gravity to pump, so it grows smaller. It does what it needs to do to survive to save the energy for something else. Um, one of the interesting things I found, um, just to go back to the psychological thing, there was a, there was a thing called the, the Mars 500 experiment. 
Now, this happened, uh, it was a facility, an isolated facility outside of Moscow, Russia. Uh, it started June, uh, or no, I'm sorry, there, there's a Time article, it's on the page, um, you know, and it shows a picture from June 3rd, 2010, uh, and it shows this this whole setup uh, where six men were locked inside, cut off from the rest of the world, and spent a year and a half so that they could simulate the effects that would happen on for a mission to Mars. So it's pretty cool. There's like 10 pictures. Each one talks a little bit more about it. Uh, the crew, right? The crew, there was six, so six men, six volunteers. Um, they had to be, right? <laughs> uh, there's uh, Alexei Sitev of Russia, Wang Yui of China, Romain Charles of France, uh, Sakharov Kamalov of Russia, uh, Diego Urbina of Italy, and Alexander Smolevsky, I think I got that right, of Russia. So definitely an international partnership, um, France, Italy, China, Russia, and they all look very ecstatic. And the inside was kind of cool. They had a whole bunch of stuff to keep you stimulated, kind of things we were talking about. You know, they had, um, they each had a, their own living quarters, they had pictures, even the paneling on the inside was uh, wood. So just to kind of, and the floor was wood, and they, they had a lot of things that on earth you would have. So... It almost looks like, uh, you know, a, a nerd or, or gamer's dream, you know, just a year and a half inside. I don't have to talk to anybody else outside. We're just in there, you know, doing our own things. Um, actually, in this picture, so they had to, uh, this is a picture that was taken October 25th, 2011. So they had to have blue lights inside one of the cabins. And they were designed specifically so that the crew could prepare their eyes to see real daylight again. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they spent so like a year and a half, and already they they needed to prepare again to see daylight because your body's constantly adjusting, and you spend a year, year and a half in that situation, and your body's going to adjust. It's just it's it's fascinating. Um, and it's just, it's, it's crazy, and so they had a whole bunch of stuff, they had science they were doing throughout the years, they had plenty of food, um, Martian pizzas, actually, according to them, uh, they had, you know, a fridge, and they had stuff frozen, so, and a, and a greenhouse as well, so they really, they had stuff going on, they had movies, uh, and all that stuff, but I think the most important thing to me was the final thing is that, you know, when they finally got out in uh, November 4th, 2011, they they all exhibited just kind of reclusiveness. You know, they were all seemed like they were very isolated people now. They, they were all pretty out, outgoing from the beginning. And they just became recluse and, and just hermits, basically, you know? I mean, I'm definitely paraphrasing here. I would, if you want to learn more, I would, I would go on your own <laughs> to research this. But from what I had read, what I understood, they just became these hermits who just, their whole, their personalities changed and they, they, you know, they weren't as outgoing as they were when they first went in there. And it's just, it's crazy. It, it really is. So 
I think it's definitely something, the more we talk about going into space, stuff like this, stuff like this that was done and this experiment, it's very important to do because we want to know as much as we can before we actually get out there because stuff's going to go wrong. Stuff's going to go not necessarily wrong, but not the way we thought. And so the more we can know beforehand, the better off we'll be. Uh, and, and missions like this are huge, you know, a year and a half isolated. You can't, you can't go anywhere. It's just crazy. I, I mean, granted, they, they did do other things too. You know, they did a mock mission on the mock surface of Mars to test spacesuits and, and how it wor- would work and all that stuff. Um, I just, this, that kind of stuff just blows my mind. Um, how adaptable we are for good and bad. You know, bad in the fact that, you know, they, <laughs> they've they definitely, uh, after that, became more uh, recluse. I'm not even really sure what that word means. I just keep using it. Um, hermits. They just became these, these, these antisocial people, which happens to regular uh, nerds and gamers on, on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> uh it's just crazy and to think about, you know, it's got all these people who are watching them for a year and a half, too, you know? It's just like, what the fuck? You know? It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's why I think trying to figure out a way to do stasis or a hibernation is going to save a lot from that. So without this mission, we really wouldn't have known for sure that this could have happened. So having the Mars 500 experiment happen is super important. And so the next step, obviously, is to figure out how do we, if we are going to do stasis, how is it even going to work? Hello again today in space, listeners. As we're finishing up the show here, I just wanted to know that if you want more sounds from Today in Space, just check out SoundCloud for our account, Today in Space Studios. We just started doing weekly lightning round mixes, so you can check those out. What is a lightning round mix, you might ask? Well, it's this week's space news boiled down and given to you as quick as possible with a mix by myself and sometimes featuring artists involved with Today in Space Studios. Get your space news in a slightly strange, new, and original way. Thanks, and go check it out. And now, 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 for stasis, 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 stasis. What is stasis, or, or what, what are we really talking about, right? We've said before, it's, it's kind of like a hibernation. That's kind of where the whole idea comes from, is that if we could potentially put humans into a state of hibernation, then there's a lot of things that could, that could, that could really help with, with making a trip to Mars something that would work, not only feasibility-wise, like we could actually do it, but probably more importantly, you could actually get the cost to the point where it would work. So I found this great, great PDF that was um, a study done by a company called Spaceworks. They work on um, futuristic space system stuff that nobody's ever done before. Really cool stuff out of Atlanta, Georgia, I believe it is. Um, their company's uh, looks like pretty cool. Their we- The website's pretty interesting. You get to see uh, the, the people that work there. They all seem very happy. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that was important to bring up. Uh, but anyways, um, it all kind of comes from this idea of 
torpor or torpor, T-O-R-P-O-R. Um, and it's, what it is, is it's, torpor is, uh, it's an active metabolic suppression with minimal decrease in body temperature to save energy. So what they've done is, oh, there's been a Chinese study that happened uh, not too long ago that actually, um, they were experiments. Uh, there was, it showed the evidence that there was benefits from prolonged torpor hibernation. And they only went up to 14 days, two weeks. Um, and it didn't seem to have any risks or any increasing risks of complications from doing that. Because that's the big thing is, you know, if we do put people in, in a state of hibernation, you know, how do you, how do you take them out? You know, is there any risks to them? How, you know, are they going to be okay? Um, and it, there really hasn't been much done before. Because, I mean, let's be honest, you can't just, you can't just try this on people. You know, and, and you're only going to get the chance if they have to be put under, you know. So um, the recent Chinese studies have, have been a huge help to showing this. And that's really where all this, I think, stemmed from, is without these Chinese studies, we really wouldn't have a, a, next, st- a next step. Um, and there was a lot of different people who, um, who who entered a hypothermic state and then were taken out. Um you know, there was a guy, uh, Mitsutaka Uchikoshi of Japan, he survived 24 days without food or water because he, uh, he had fallen into the snow and entered a hypothermic state. They found him and his core temperature had dropped to 22 degrees Celsius. Now, I'm not that very good at knowing. <laughs> let's, let's see what 22 degrees Celsius is. So that's 71.2.6 degrees. That's really cold for the human body. But they brought him out and he survived. So that's crazy. Um, there was a girl, a uh, one-year-old called Erica Norby. Uh, she was revived after her heart stopped beating for over two hours. Uh, after an accident left her exposed to minus 20 degrees Celsius weather conditions. Her core temperature had dropped to 17 degrees Celsius. That was in 2001. She survived. She was revived after that. Uh, and then there was Dr. Anna Bagenholm. Uh, she was 29. Uh, her heart had stopped for three hours, and she was revived after being submerged under ice while skiing. And hers dropped to 14 degrees Celsius. And that was 1999. So there's examples of human beings being able to come out of these temperature, you know, drop temperature states, uh, and, and being revived. So, the 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 Chinese study, though, <laughs> an actual medical practice, uh, having done that instead of random instances of people surviving, you know. So, so the fact that these Chinese experiments exist, it, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can do that for the astronauts. You know, we just we can't just freeze people. It's fucking crazy. Um, so the concept of torpor is reducing human metabolism and inducing a sleep-like inactive state for a prolonged period of time, medically accomplished through therapeutic hypothermia. So that's, that's what torpor is. And then they would also, with these, uh, 
to a poor state. So, so all right. So, I guess one of the questions you're thinking is, all right, okay, if you can't go into this reduced state, well, how, you know, are you going to get the right nutrients? Are you, like, you're going to need food? You're going to need water? Well, there's a thing called total parental nutrition. Now, before I explain it, let's let's think about this, right? So, par- total parental nu- nutrition. So, my mind goes to, like, a parent with a baby, right? A parent has to feed the baby because the baby can't feed itself, right? That's the same state you'd essentially be in, in, in this hypothermic, sleep-like state, right? So what they would do is feed a person intravenously by nutritional fluids delivered by tunneled central venous catheters or peripheral inserted central catheters. So it's just like, just like, oh my God, they're feeding you with tubes. This is the matrix. Like this is, it's like only, only the most determined people would ever like, that are past the point that it's, like I I could not, that no, sorry, that's fuck, that's crazy. Like that's so weird. Like, that that was what blew me away. It was like, okay, all right, the like the the torpor thing didn't really bother me. I'm like, all right, that's really cool. But the the feeding them intravenously by fluids, oh, that's just that just I'm sorry, that's just weird for me. Um, <laughs> but it would work, and the whole idea. So all right, so how would that work as a mission, right? So the idea is that um, you would always have. Let's say you have three people on a mission, right? So you would always have one person person um, who was uh, conscious, who was doing stuff around the ship, being able to communicate back and forth with Earth, and and making sure that that things are going on okay, right? Uh, making sure that the the people in stasis are fine, um, and that everything's working fine. So. Instead of doing six months, you would do like a two a two week stint, so that that becomes manageable. Like mentally, that that like that's okay. Like I I, I can deal with uh, a two month period, a uh, two week period. Sorry, <laughs> fourteen days. Right, fourteen days isn't that bad. Um, I think the six to eight months without without this hibernation period, you're you're talking about a totally different mission. Because if if you can hibernate people, then you can send people in a ship that's buildable today. And I think that's where this whole thing stems from is people want to go to Mars. We want to get there. It is not easy. And to do it without putting people in a hibernate, hibernative state, a stasis state, or a state of stasis? Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, sounds better. <laughs> um then you can you can build a ship today that can be launched to go to Mars and the mission could actually be planned for the next 10 20 years but if you're if you want like have you guys seen the the trailer for the Martian have you seen that that spaceship they kind of glimpsed at um, or even even the spaceship that they had in uh, interstellar if you've seen it um, even that one's a pretty decent size but they did use stasis. we'll get into that in a second how scary that one was um, but as far as a ship goes, if you're going to do a six month stint, eight month stint, maybe mission going to Mars, you're going to need a big 
ship because you're going to need a place for relaxing and, 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 and watching media and, and listening to music, all that stuff. Like you're going to need a media center. You're going to need a place for them to work out. You're going to need a sleeping quarters. You're going to need hopefully a living quarters. You're going to need to be able to let the people on board go into these different areas to keep themselves stimulated by different things. You can't stay in a room for six to eight months and be okay to do a mission and then spend another six to eight months going back. Like that's, that you're going to have to find people and train people. I don't know. I don't even know if that's even possible with a small ship. With a big ship it is, but we we will not get to Mars in our lifetimes. And I think if we're going to go in our lifetimes, something like this where you put people in an induced state is necessary. I mean, un- until I hear something else, sorry about that. Until here's something else, that really seems like that's the, the way to go with it. Um, and let's just go into So Spaceworks, they did a whole study for NASA. Um, so let's go into the One of the things was motivation. So it kind of goes over kind of what I was talking about. So the first thing says, despite decades of technology advancements, the feasibility and affordability of a manned mission to Mars continues to be extremely challenging. Human crew and associated support items are a major driver on Mars mission mass, required number of launches, and complexity. And the whole idea is, what if we could minimize the crew's footprints on the architecture or the the ship or the the mission, really? Um, How could we do this, and what would be the impact? So one of the things uh, that they brought up, hold on, sorry, I'm, I'm skimming through this real quick. Um, there was a thing they said here. Oh, see, now I lost it. Isn't that great? I just love doing this on the fly when you just lose everything you were looking at and uh, you lose where you were at. All right, anyways, so the whole idea... All right, oh, here it is. I found it! Uh, so the direct benefits to this, the things that they're saying are, are the reason we should do this. Number one, the consumables that you would have on board that, again, require mass, which requires fuel, which requires cost. Those would all diminish because then all you have to do is feed a crew intravenously or most of the crew intravenously for two weeks at a time. So for two weeks, you're using less food, which means you need to bring less food. So then you can bring more things to make, uh, you know, make things better for the crew you can add more protection like one of the things it says here um perfect it's a section what can the savings be used for um you can have subsystem redundancies and improve the safety of the mission so basically if one of the things goes down if the oxygen tank goes down you're going to have a second second oxygen system so that you can make sure that everything will work even if one thing goes down so you can have you can add things on because again it all comes down to how much weight equals how much cost this mission goes. It's, 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 that goes hand in hand with this. Uh, another thing is uh, radiation protection and shielding because one of the things uh, we've been learning, especially on the way to Mars, and we know Mars has radiation, and um, the recent Orion uh, mission that went past the, uh, the Van Allen belt, uh, 
showed that, you know, the, it's shielding could work, but we're going to need shielding. So, again, if, if, if we can put people in this state, the benefit is we can make it safer. Um, you can reduce the number of heavy lift launches and the building in orbit. So, you know, it just makes things easier and easier. Um, yeah, and then you just have more chances to to make the mission possible and to to launch stuff. It's the solution of putting people in a low metabolic state has a lot of benefits. It's a little weird to talk about because it, it is. It's extremely weird. You're you're talking about putting people in this weird, almost. It's that's exactly. It's a, it's a matrix like state. Um, I mean, think about it. When, when, if you guys saw Interstellar, I'm not spoiling anything for you, but um, one of the big, crazy things in that was the way that they put themselves to sleep. Like it was this crazy chamber that the top slid back, and then there was a plastic bag with a zipper and water, which right away is already terrifying. I mean, that's that's a lot of people's nightmare right there. Like <laughs> being in a plastic bag. And then being in a plastic bag underwater, like that's, ooh, no way. No, a lot of, no, sorry. And then just to think about it, like it, with that one was weird because uh, like potentially the idea was you could put yourself to sleep for as long as the system could run. So, I mean, they were going to, they were going past Jupiter, I think, to the wormhole. So they had, ah. Uh, I don't even remember what the timeline was, but I'm guessing something like three years. That would be my guess. Um, Something like that, you need a hibernation state because how are you going to be okay? Again, how are you going to be okay to do your mission? You know, I think that's the biggest... That might be one of the biggest things to start with is is mentally, are you going to be okay for your mission if you don't get your rest and you're not as capable as you were when you left. And I think that's the big the big problem with with having a mission now because we we just don't have the money or the technology or the capabilities to build in space. So we only have the options we have which is to build the spacecraft of the technology of today. So if we can do this stasis thing, we could we can actually get to Mars. Or beyond. We can actually make interstellar travel possible. Um, it's a long way off. Like, this is the initial search, research. Um, it is not going to be something that's going to be easy. Um, but it's now possible because <laughs> because of these things, like the Chinese research in topor hibernation. And, and, man, if this works, I mean, we're talking about a whole different type of astronaut uh, it's a different qualification different different things you're gonna have to deal with I mean I'm sure getting out of that state is gonna be something else too you're gonna need probably a day or two um, I mean anyone who's uh, I'm so bad but if, if you've ever had a tube down your throat at the hospital I mean from what I've heard that's sore for days afterwards I mean obviously because it's not supposed to be there <laughs> you know so think about all the stuff you're going to be dealing with exiting that, and then you're on this spacecraft in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's crazy. That's kind of why I wanted to bring it up this week. It's just 
running through my head, like, how would you deal with that? Um, and I answered, probably not very well. <laughs> probably not very well. I would need a lot of things. Pretty needy in that respect. I, I don't think I would deal very well with that. But I would be very happy to be involved <laughs> with the discussion on how we would do that. And that's what we tried to do here today. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too much rambling, although it probably was. Uh, just uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, next week, probably going to have someone on, uh, so we'll see. Um, but we've got uh, some interviews coming up in the future, just getting those scheduled in. Uh, and it's going to be good, guys. We've got a lot coming up here. Um, and just have a great week. Like I said before, enjoy yourselves, spread love, spread science, and more importantly, if you guys like what we do here, tell somebody about it. Uh, tell somebody about this. I just can't talk. If you have a friend who's uh, in engineering or science or who's just started college, we're going to have a lot of stuff uh, for that coming up here. I really do. Anyone who's, who's in college, who's, who's kind of looking for the next thing to get them just mentally into the into the game of what they're going to be doing. We're going to be talking a lot about that kind of stuff. Um, if you've got friends who just like science, but, you know, doesn't really like to listen to the stuff that's super technical, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to do something different. So tell your friends about us. Um, we really appreciate everyone who listens and subscribes every week. I love you guys for this. I, I can't tell you how much I get from you that you guys are still listening and, 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 and paying attention online, on Facebook and on Twitter. You guys give me so much drive during the week to get this done. Because I'm going to be honest, it's it's tough. It's not easy. But thanks to you, you guys pick me up every week. It's almost like right when I need it, you guys are there. And I, we're almost at a year that we've been doing this. And I can't thank all of you enough. Um, it ain't over. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, so stay tuned, spread love, spread science, and have a great week, everybody. See you later.